0: To the Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of seven angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes and you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Hello, my dear friends. I am back on the podcast today with an awesome, awesome topic for you. I just know there's going to be some nugget of information in here that you're going to take and immediately implement that's going to make your lifestyle more sustainable. And that's a really important point. We want to create permanent results, right? Lifelong results. So we have to find a lifestyle that feels sustainable to us. It's not about short term results. And so I'm here to deliver powerful, bite sized, informative podcasts that you can learn from and immediately implement. But before I jump into that, I just want to tell you guys, because sometimes I forget to remind you, and I think it's important. It's one of the most important ways that I can serve you to make you aware of the resources that you have available to you. So many of you are out there feeling really lost and confused and unsupported, and the skill that you may actually be lacking is just being able to self-advocate, being able to go out and get the help and support that you need and give yourself permission to say yes to giving yourself some support. Remember, people who are the most successful in the world most likely have a coach or have been coached. It's okay to get coached. And I want to remind you that this is a resource that is available to you out there, even if it's not with me. But I've recently had several people hire me because they're feeling... Completely at a loss, completely hopeless, and completely unsupported. And they don't know where to go from here. And it feels impossible to them. And having that conversation with me just opened them up to the realization that they didn't know what they didn't know. And it allowed them to see for the first time in a long time what was actually possible for them that it was possible to not be confused, (laughs) that it was possible to not only explain why their blood sugars are doing what they're doing, but then be able to drive the results that they want to create. And to do this without it feeling terrible. And so if this is you, if you're out there just feeling very hopeless and lost, I want you to think to yourself or ask yourself this question, where can I get some support? What's out there as a resource available to me now? That I can tap into that will get me focused, get me some clarity, and get me taking action. Because action is what creates results, right? And the work has to happen first in the mind. Everything outside of us is just a reflection of what is going on in our mind, even our state of physical health. And so When you get ready to make your changes and take your action, make sure that you're beginning with your mind because that is going to drive consistency and sustainability. And don't forget, if you don't want to work with someone one-on-one, I do have an online course that I just released that's just for you. You can watch it at your own pace and apply these strategies in a way that will get you rapid results. And you can stop feeling lost and confused. That's the best part. (laughs) Okay, that being said, I want to jump into some really powerful tips and hacks that you can take away from this podcast episode and start using right away. So let's start with this first question. How can I bring my blood sugars down without medication when they're really high? Quickly. So I want to tell you a quick story that will really put this into context. So I was years ago working in a pharmacy, and I got a phone call from a patient that I had been seeing in clinic. And she told me, and I'll never forget this lady because she has a southern accent, and she said, I ate a whole box of dots. (laughs) And I was like, what happened? You know? And she said, I went to the movies with my son, and I bought a box of dots, and I didn't even realize until I'd eaten the last one that I'd eaten the whole box. (laughs) And her blood sugar was super high. It was probably like 300 something. And she didn't know what to do. She was like, do I need to go to the ER? What do I need to do? (laughs) And so truly guys, there's not too many ways to speed this up, but I'm gonna give you a couple, okay? One is get off your butt and go for a walk (laughs) if you can okay? So if you can and you're capable and you don't feel that bad, any kind of physical exertion is going to bring your blood sugar down a lot faster. And it doesn't need to be hard exercise. It just needs to be movement. So you could even just go for a walk, like walk down to the end of your driveway and back, that kind of stuff. Um, Walk as long as you can and your blood sugar will come down a lot faster. The second way that you can assist your blood sugar in coming down a little quicker is to drink a bunch of water, okay? That definitely is an anecdotal thing I've seen over and over again in people in large communities that I play with on Facebook. People will say, if I drink a bunch of water, it will come down a lot faster. The other thing that I've seen work is drinking some apple cider vinegar, Okay, so, or even just something acidic like some lemon water or some lime water with true lemon juice and lime juice, that can also help bring your blood sugar down a little bit faster because it'll help you not digest all of the sugar that's sitting in your belly. Okay, so let's talk about the next. thing, which is really related to that exercise point that I want to tell you, because sometimes I can tell you something that's very simple, but can be very profound for you and can result in some consistent action taking that gets you appreciable results. So let's talk real quick about exercise because um, there are some things about exercise that will make you get some more movement and see some improvements in your blood sugar regulation. So I want to tell you first that a contracting muscle does not require insulin in order to access glucose. That is really cool to know. That means even if your muscles are insulin resistant, if you are contracting them, they can soak up glucose and burn it up without insulin being the key that lets it in. That just means that you get sort of a workaround your insulin resistance. And it explains why exercise can be such a powerful reducer of your blood sugar. And remember, your muscle mass is your biggest glucose sink other than your brain. So the more you have, the better this works, but getting your muscles burning fuel is going to bring your blood sugar down pretty effectively and pretty quickly. Also, if you're going to do some high-intensity exercise, I want you to understand that you're going to blow through the little stashes of glucose inside your muscle cells that are reserved for this kind of energy production. So all of our muscle cells and our liver have the ability to store glucose in the form of glycogen. And when you really turn it up, when you do a hard workout, your muscles are going to prefer glucose over fat as fuel and they're going to burn up whatever they've got on hand. Now, what does this do? This means that once you are finished with your workout, you're going to have increased sensitivity to insulin to the tune of days, okay? So your muscles are going to want to replete all of that glucose that they burned through, and they're going to want to store, again, a little stash of glucose. And so for days after a high-intensity workout that's as short as 10 minutes, you can see improved insulin sensitivity as your muscles focus on trying to replete and soak up all the glucose they can get their hands on. And I also like this topic because it reminds me of how you can actually do a, what's called targeted keto diet. If you're on a low-carb diet or a ketogenic diet, you can strategically consume your carbohydrates prior to a workout so that you can burn up all of that sugar before it's stored as fat or before it even really keeps you out of ketosis if you're a person who maintains nutritional ketosis. So the way that I experimented with this recently was I just had like a 15 gram serving of fruit before I did a hard workout and I did it about 10 minutes before I exercised. And this was very strategic because I was noticing for my high intensity workouts that my recovery was slow and I was struggling or working out really hard. You know, sometimes when your workouts just feel like they're hard and I wanted to have that explosive abundant energy for these workouts because it just feels better. It's like, you're not trying to like push and force yourself through the workout. So I had read that I can consume quickly, like within a very short window of time before my exercise, about 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrate. And you want to choose complex carbs if you can. So I I chose to have fruit because I don't normally get to have that. And I love fruit. And so I had some fruit and then I did my workout and I checked my ketones before and after. And I was in ketosis before my workout and in about, 15 minutes after my workout, I was back in ketosis. Ketones were over 0.5 for sure. I think they were like 0.7. And so that's, for those of you who don't check your ketones, that might be a really advanced point, but it's still neat to know that you can fuel your workout with carbs if that feels better to you and not sacrifice a nutritional ketosis that you're in. I also wanted to share with you that this This knowledge of using your muscles to bring down your blood glucose is really handy when you think about incorporating just some slow-paced, very comfortable movement after meals. This is a really strategic thing to do, say, after dinner, which is the largest meal for most of us every day, especially if you're having some things that are bumping up your sugar a lot, you know, a little higher than you want to see it. So you could eat your meal and then a few minutes later after maybe you tidy up around the kitchen, go for a walk. And that's going to really stabilize that blood sugar spike and bring you down a lot faster. So that's kind of a nice little hack. All right, let's kind of switch topics. Let's talk about how to blunt the blood sugar spike from the get-go, like at mealtime. Okay, so one of the ways that I've heard repeated over and over and that works good for me is to eat some vegetables before you start your meal. So you could do like a little plateful of snack type vegetables. You could do it with hummus or with I love full fat ranch. That's one of my favorite things to dip my veggies in. But basically what you're trying to do is put some bulk fiber into your stomach before you start your meal. And you can even do this with some bitters. You can introduce some things into your stomach that are very bulky, fibrous items that aren't going to raise your blood sugar much. So these would be pickled things like pickles for sure, and then pickled vegetables. But getting some fiber and some bulk into your tummy before you start your meal is going to do a couple things first, it's going to take up space, right? So you probably won't be able to eat quite as much when you've started off with a good cup full of veggies in your belly. But the second amazing thing that starting your meal with some kind of a fibrous vegetable or pickle is that it's going to slow down the absorption of whatever you're putting in that's going to raise your blood sugar. So I'm talking about if if you're having complex carbs or anything that's gonna raise your blood sugar, if you start off your meal with some fiber in your belly, it's going to blunt the rise of your blood sugar. Why does that happen? The reason is because the fiber in those vegetables is actually a physical barrier to the absorption of the carbohydrate from your intestine, allowing it to pass through undigested. Okay. So insoluble fiber is a physical barrier. It's going to be harder for your body to absorb all of the nutrients in your food when there's physical fiber in the way. So that's why it slows down and blunts the rise in blood sugar when you have some bulk fiber in your belly before you eat. And so a lot of people will strategically do a salad before they have pasta, like say you're going to have Caesar salad before you do spaghetti or something like that, that will for sure slow down and reduce the rise in blood sugar from the pasta when there's salad in the way. Okay. Now let's go a step further and talk about how you can also use the same concept, but instead of using fiber, you can use it with proteins and fats. Okay. So I'm talking about pairing carbohydrates, complex carbohydrates or whatever in your meal with proteins and fats. So this looks like instead of just eating an apple, eating it with some peanut butter. Or I remember I was in Hawaii, I had a blood sugar monitor on the whole time, and I had an Asian pear, like I love those giant Asian pears, and they, they come from Korea when you're in Hawaii. You can't get them near as sweet and as large as you can there. Well, my mom can. She lives in Kentucky, but I live in Montana, and I don't have those kind of markets around. So <laughs> I was pumped when I saw those pears in the market, and I grabbed them up, and I tested it just by itself, and my blood sugar went up like 60 points, you guys. I was It blew my doors off how high my blood sugar went up with just a pear. And then the next day I ate the other pear with some nuts and that completely changed the profile of my blood sugar spike and it didn't spike near as high and it also took a lot longer to start to fall. And so that's what I mean when I say pairing your carbohydrate with some proteins and fats. So just don't eat carbs straight up alone, right? Like don't have applesauce or don't have like some pineapple or don't have just sweet potato fries. (laughs) Pair it with some fats and proteins. And in fact, make sure you've got some fats and proteins down like your meats and your oils, having already eaten some of them before you follow with carbs. And for sure, if you're gonna do something sweet, like a sugary treat, do it at the end. Have it last, kind of like dessert, because if you do that, then it's going to be a lot slower to absorb. It's gonna decrease the spike and the surge in insulin, which drives fat storage. Okay, so I hope that that makes sense to you. The next thing that I wanna share with you has to do with the advice you may have heard in the past about starting your day with protein. There are studies that show that people who have protein at breakfast are more likely to lose weight than people who don't. And even though I'm not an advocate of breakfast per se in the way that food industry wants us to think of breakfast, any time that you start eating for the day is breakfast. And if you can keep that breakfast high in protein, and very low in carbohydrate, you're going to do something really tricky that manipulates your hormones in your favor if you're trying to lose weight. What I'm talking about is a hormone called glucagon, and I probably should do a whole other podcast on glucagon because it's fascinating, and I've learned a ton about it. But Glucagon is the opposite hormone to insulin. It's like it's complete opposite. So if insulin is the hormone that tells your body to take up nutrients and grow larger, build new things, and store any extra energy in the form of glycogen, which we already talked about, and body fat, glucagon is its complete opposite. Glucagon is the signal to the body to break down and release stored energy. It is also made in the pancreas. Isn't that fascinating? So when we consume protein with fats or without and no carbohydrate, a very interesting thing happens. Our insulin does not go up much, but our glucagon does. So it actually will put you in a catabolic state to eat protein and fat alone without carbohydrates because it turns on glucagon and glucagon is gonna tell your body to burn fat. Isn't that awesome to know? I loved learning this because it helped me say no to the little piece of fruit or whatever carbohydrate was getting my attention at mealtime. It helped me really stay firm in the fact that I wanted that meal to be low carb because I understand that It's not just that I'm adding carbohydrate, which spikes my insulin, and that's not necessarily something I'm wanting, but I lose the opportunity to put myself in fat-burning mode by triggering glucagon when I do that, even if it's just a little bit. So I hope that I can pass that to you and it feels like something that can keep you on track and keep you focused at mealtime. All right, so the next thing that I wanna tell you that's kind of along the same lines is don't forget That fat alone, dietary fat alone, and I'm not talking about toxic seed oils, garbage fats like margarine or vegetable oil. I'm talking about natural fats like bacon and butter and avocados, these kinds of things. Don't forget that they don't break a fast. Okay. So, what does that mean? And I want to remind you about fasting real quick and how powerful it is at getting your insulin levels down. It's one of the most powerful tools that I teach my clients and I've taught in this podcast to reverse type 2 diabetes because it is hands down the most powerful way to bring your insulin levels down. And this shows up in reversing insulin resistance. And the switch that flips you from a fasted state into a fed state, The switch that flips you from fat burning into fat storing is insulin. And so you do not want to trigger insulin, if at all possible, while you're trying to reverse your diabetes. And fat alone, without proteins, doesn't trigger your insulin levels. It doesn't boost your blood sugar levels, right? If you just ate fat, if you just ate some bacon and avocado, for example, or just some olives, or some macadamia nuts, you're not going to see your blood sugar rise at all. It's going to be flatline. And guess what? So's your insulin level, because insulin is going to follow your blood sugar. And that means you can kind of maintain a semi-fasted state while you are consuming food in the form of dietary fat. That's very advantageous to know. I particularly love heavy whipping cream And this is a very strategic food that I use in my lifestyle in order to allow myself to fast longer. And that's because it doesn't break your fast. It doesn't trigger the hormone insulin that moves you from a fasted state into a fed state. Now, if you're the one person who that's not true for, you'll know because you need to be testing, eating to your meter, checking your blood sugar. If you see your blood sugar go up with some kind of a fat, I'm not sure why that's happening. It makes me wonder if it's something else you're not considering like caffeine in your coffee, for example, but then you are breaking your fast if you see your blood sugar go up. So always eat to your meter. And having a continuous glucose monitor creates such an advantage for that. Now, I wanna also mention that our insulin response to the same foods can be different in different parts of the day. You get a larger insulin surge later in the day to the same foods than you do in the morning. Why would that be? Well, remember, your body is infinitely intelligent. It knows and it has wisdom and reasoning for why it does what it does. So think of this. Your body knows what time of day it is. It has an internal clock called your circadian rhythm if you have a normal sleep-wake cycle. And so if you're eating earlier in the day, your body knows it's going to need energy to get through the day, fuel for the day, but if you're eating late at night, your body knows you're probably gonna be turning in. You're not gonna burn that energy. And so it's going to be more aggressive in storing that energy that you ate late in the day as body fat instead of allowing it to remain in a state that can be burned readily. And so it can be quite advantageous for you to end your meal times even earlier in the day if that's comfortable to you. So this might look like, finishing your eating window at four o'clock instead of at six o'clock. Or for me, if I'm gonna do an OMAD one meal a day, then I probably will choose to do it earlier in the day than later in the day, if possible. And I know that that's advantageous to me if I want to reduce my insulin response, which drives weight gain. And I invite you to consider looking at your eating window and seeing if you can keep the same eating window, right? Eat, eat the same amount of food in the same hours, but just do it earlier in the day because it will spare you and make it less likely that you will be storing some of that energy. Okay, so the next topic is pretty fun. I wanna ask you, have you ever heard that it's somehow of benefit to eat sourdough bread over other breads? I mean, most diabetics, they don't think they can have bread, right? If they've been checking their blood sugar, they know bread ain't their friend. But I'm going to introduce to you this concept of sourdough bread. Because sourdough bread, for many people who have diabetes or are watching their blood sugar at all, they're going to notice that they don't have the same blood sugar rise in response to true sourdough bread that they do to other like normal, regular, run-of-the-mill breads. Okay, So why would that be? Well, what we're actually talking about is a larger topic of fermented foods. So fermented food just means that there's live bacteria in the food that will actually eat or digest some of the starch or sugar in that food because they're alive (laughs) and they eat too. And in the process of digesting some of those sugars or starches, they make acids So that's where that sour, bitter taste can come from. They make gas, carbon dioxide, which can produce bubbles like you might see in kombucha or like air pockets in the bread, the sourdough bread. And sometimes you can actually get a byproduct of alcohol as which we see with kombucha. So what's going on is the bacteria are consuming the starch and sugar in that food, and that means you're going to absorb less of those things because the bacteria are eating them. The bacteria can actually even remain in your colon, and this will also continue to feed off of the starches and sugars in the food that you're eating. So let's look at some examples. So there's sourdough bread, which I mentioned to you, and these are Foods that have been studied and shown to reduce blood glucose and insulin levels, by the way. And in sourdough bread, you want to just be careful to look for true sourdough bread. So don't get the fake stuff. And the way that you can distinguish is to look at the ingredients and look for sourdough starter or just buy it from a bakery, buy it from a reputable source that you know is making it from that true sourdough starter. Another example is raw apple cider vinegar. So you may have heard that you can drink apple cider vinegar or even apple cider vinegar capsules before you eat, and that helps you with your blood sugar spikes. Well, there's some truth to that. A tablespoon or two of apple cider vinegar, like the raw with the mother, like Bragg's is a good brand if you take it before a starchy meal, it's going to interfere with the conversion of those starches into sugar that will then show up in your blood sugar. And you can even see apple cider vinegar at bedtime improve your dawn effect in the morning. Another example of a fermented food would be kefir. Kefir is just yogurt that's gone sour, right? Or milk that's gone sour. And That souring process is where the bacteria are eating the lactose, the sugar in the milk product, and leaving the fats and proteins for us. And these products have actually even been shown in clinical trials to reduce long-term glucose levels. And then I'd be remiss as a half South Korean to forget to mention kimchi, (laughs) So kimchi is just an indigenous food for South Koreans where it's fermented vegetables, usually cabbage or some kind of root vegetable. And that fermentation process is going to help you absorb less of the starches that you're eating it with. And the older kimchi, the better. So this leads me into the next hot topic, which is resistant starches. Many of you have heard that you can have potatoes as long as they're cooled and they won't raise your blood sugar. So that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about resistant starches. So these are starchy foods that have been cooked and then cooled. And that cooling process actually changes the chemical structure of that food to make it less digestible. It makes it into more of a soluble fiber that will pass through the small intestine, without being absorbed. And then it makes it to the colon, where it is then going to feed the gut bacteria, and that produces gas and short chain fatty acids like butyrate, and butyrate has shown to be anti-inflammatory, it's actually a ketone body. And studies have shown that resistant starches can improve insulin sensitivity and blood sugar levels. And some examples of this would be potatoes, rice, bananas, and pasta. Now, not everybody is going to have the same response to this. And I've heard people say that some of these work and some of these don't. The one that seems to be the most likely to be successful using this cooking and cooling method is rice. And we're seeing about a 30% reduction in the absorption of the carbohydrate from rice when it is eaten cooled. Okay, so you can't cool it and then re-warm it. You need to eat it in its cooled state, and it needs to be cooled in the refrigerator for several hours. I would be surprised if people were able to incorporate this regularly, but it might be a strategy that allows you to have potato salad every now and then for like a outdoor barbecue at 4th of July, you know? So it's just neat to know, and I invite you to just try it for yourself and test and see. Okay, so the last thing I want to share with you is really just a outlook or a belief system that I love that I have that serves me big time. (laughs) Because I too follow this lifestyle, and I don't like to feel restricted and deprived. So the topic that I'm going to end this podcast with is all about food substitutions. Many of us just need different habits, right? So Like one of the best examples of this would be to eat your tuna salad or your cheeseburgers in lettuce wraps instead of in bread. It's just a habit. It's something you can get used to. And pretty soon, it's not going to be a big deal or a big change for you. It's going to feel familiar to you. And it allows you to have sandwiches and salads and burgers without feeling like you're missing out. Okay, but I want to just in a general sense remind you that if there's a certain food for you that you are missing, that you feel badly that you want to have, there are solutions out there. Someone has figured this out and has published their idea or their recipe on the Googles. And all you have to do is find it. So I'm going to give you a couple examples that might inspire you. In the last week, or 2 weeks, I have tried a couple different things that are new for me because I'm always trying and learning new things. I bought a flour called mouthwatering motivation. It's actually called mouthwatering motivation keto flour. You can find it on the web. And I made one of my clients likes tortillas, she misses them and the low carb balance tortillas don't work for her. They spike her too high. So She asked me to see if I could make a tortilla with this stuff. And it was so easy. It was absolutely possible. I'm a person who's never made tortillas from scratch, but I totally did. And it was not hard. And it tasted good. It tasted like flour. I made a breakfast burrito with it. And so that's neat to have that kind of a product in your cabinet that you can combine with almond flour to make pancakes or cookies or whatever you want. And it it just gives it more of like that gluten sort of stretchy chewy taste and it tastes a lot more like regular flour than almond flour does. Another example is I recently made protein packed angel food cake from a recipe on Diet Doctor (laughs) because I'm trying to get more protein It's just such an awesome hack because I added unflavored protein powder as part of the batter to this cake and I used egg whites and whipped it up. And I think it had a little almond flour in it. It had had some monk fruit erythritol sweetener in it. And I made a giant angel food cake with this that had zero carbohydrates and had extra protein in it. (laughs) It was so awesome. And it tasted amazing. And I added homemade whipped cream and I added strawberries and other berries to it and it was like a strawberry shortcake, it was amazing. And so I just wanna share those two with you, not because I think you need to go make them, but in order to illustrate and really drive home this idea that you don't have to live in a way that feels like restriction and deprivation with your food. You can find solutions, creative solutions. Oh, another idea that I recently had was a pasta that I tried. I found out about it in some web forum that I was on, and it's called Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N, and it was fusilli pasta, I think, but it tastes just like regular pasta, and it's a high-protein pasta, very low-carb. And so there are products out there, and they're always being marketed to me (laughs) because I buy them and I try them. And I want you to consider and just open your mind to the possibility that it's out there. There's a solution to the thing you're missing or that you're desiring. And all your job is to do is to be willing to look for it and to find it and to try it. All right. So I hope that gives you a little bit of inspiration on this beautiful afternoon. And I want you to go out and just try some stuff. Try some of these hacks Watch your blood sugar respond favorably to them and feel empowered. All right, I'll see you on the next podcast. Okay, don't leave yet. You're going to want to hear about this. If you love my podcast, if I'm the only sane voice you've found on this subject, if I've already helped you, you need to check out my online course. It's a start-to-finish step-by-step video course that teaches you all the tools you need to know to beat this disease you can find it on my website sarahtownley.com along with lots of other free tools that will make taking care of your diabetes so much easier so get over there right now see you there